Welcome to the Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs podcast, a place for podcasters to learn what's actually working in marketing and how to use their podcast to generate leads in their business. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited that you're here. Hey Savvies, welcome back to another episode of Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs. Today I'm here chatting with Angie Trueblood. As a podcast visibility expert and host of the Go Pitch Yourself podcast, Angie Trueblood knows that the only perfect pitch is the one that leads with value and focuses on building a genuine connection. Whether she is teaching entrepreneurs how to pitch themselves or working behind the scenes to secure opportunities for others, Angie leverages her super connector powers to grow businesses and build long-lasting relationships. When she's not working with her clients or being active in her local community, she loves exploring Richmond, Virginia's parks and playgrounds with her two kids, checking out new restaurants with her hubby, and laughing about motherhood over cocktails with friends. So I'm super excited to have Angie here today to chat all about how to pitch yourself to other podcasts the right way, because there is a right and a wrong way here. So let's just dive right in. Hi, Angie. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about pitching to be on podcasts with you. So before we dive in, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started and about your podcast as well. Sure. So, well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, So my name is Angie Trueblood and I am a podcast visibility strategist. So what I do is work one-on-one with clients and pitch them for podcast guesting opportunities that will help move their business forward in one of several different ways. So I have the one-on-one component of my business and just recently launched a group program teaching others how to pitch themselves for folks who may not want to hire that portion of their business out, but really want to keep it in-house and use it as kind of an evergreen visibility outreach part of their business. So that's the second part of the business. Um, And then I launched back in 2019 in September, my show called Go Pitch Yourself. And that is really all about how to pitch yourself for visibility opportunities. But I also bring on experts who can help support my audience when they land those opportunities. So it's not just me. I do solo episodes. And then I also bring on experts to talk about a variety of different topics that would be relevant for folks who are looking to increase their visibility. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so needed to know how to be more visible, whether that's with podcasting or being in summits or anything of that sort, because obviously that's how we grow. Um, You know, eventually we hit a point with our current audience where it's just like, okay, like I need to get out there and get more people on my show. And a podcast is a great way to do that. So I'm excited to have you here. Yeah. So let's just dive right in. So what components make a good podcast pitch? Because I know we've all seen very crappy podcast pitches. (laughs) So what is going to make people actually like respond and potentially say yes? So I was recording actually a training video this morning and I am very resistant to the idea of a perfect pitch, which I know you didn't mention, which I love. So I don't really think there's anything absolutely specific that you have to include in a pitch to make it great. It really just has to be something where you are clearly valuing a human connection. So I definitely break down the different parts of a great pitch, but at the end of the day, 
if you can convey over the course of an email that you are looking to provide value to someone's audience in a specific way and that you recognize there is a human at the other end of that email, you're honestly kind of ahead of the game in terms of some of the other pitches that are out there. So just leading with value, leading with the intent of growing a relationship is really what is needed for it to be a great pitch. There's so many pieces that fall into when a host would say yes or no that is out of our control. You know, they probably have their own content calendar. They know what episodes they might have planned in the near future. So that is something we can't control. But what we can control is the quality of the pitch and the quality of the outreach to kind of start that relationship off on the right foot. Right. And I love that. And I agree with that. It's all about building a relationship and not just writing the same can pitch and sending mm-hmm. it to 20 different people. And yeah. there is a way to have kind of like a quote unquote template without mm-hmm. still it being, you know, completely canned. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just taking five minutes to listen to some of the, someone's episode, like their last episode and like saying a couple of lines like, Hey, like I really, um, liked this episode about X, Y, Z. Um, this is kind of the takeaway that I got from it. Just so you know that, or the person knows that you like actually did a little bit of research, didn't just pull an email off the internet. Um, and I think that's just really important to bring to the person because they want, people want to know that you actually took the time and you're not oh, just yeah. sending the same can pitch over and over and over again. Yeah. I think a really A great way to do that is in those first couple of lines. One thing that we always do is we almost restate their mission. We kind of say, I appreciate how you're serving this type of person by doing this. And so, yes, we do listen to the podcast. I listen more to get a general feel of their energy to see if their personality and sort of their take on the subject matter blends well with myself or my clients. Mm -hmm. And then we just acknowledge, I get what you do. Like that's really the focus is letting them know, Hey man, I see you. I want you to feel like I'm looking at you and writing you as an individual. It's so important. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent because like, if we don't feel like we're being valued as the host, then we're definitely not even going to consider the person's pitch, no matter how great it, like they could have been as a speaker, because they just didn't take the extra second and go the extra mile to kind of make us feel, you know, like we were actually a priority to them. Yeah, totally. So I totally agree with that. So is there anything that we should just kind of completely exclude from our pitches Mm -hmm. now? Like any, any big things that are just a complete no-no? I mean, I've definitely seen some pitches that have very extensive bios and it's not that important in a pitch. So we include a snippet of a bio, but I have seen pitches to where it's two to three paragraphs of information on their expertise, accolades, awards, you name it, it can be included in a bio. And that lengthy of a biography does not need to be included. You should be able to quickly summarize your expertise and your authority in a couple of sentences. And then if you feel like you want to share more, link to your website. If you want to use a one sheet, you could link to that for more information. But the email pitch needs to be easily consumable. And when someone opens an email, I mean, just think of any email that you get, 
if it's super long, the chance of you actually reading the whole thing is very low. And if you pepper the front of it or the top of it with the bio, they're never going to get to the meat of what you're actually suggesting before their eyes start to glaze over a little bit. <laughs> so I would say take out the really long bios. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, because like you said, if people, you know, if you can't get what you do across in a couple sentences, people are going to lose interest. Um, I mean, they don't need you to be like someone super crazy, like um, in New York Times or whatever. They don't need to know that. Like it's cool, but like if that's not, you know, that's not going to make or break the deal. Um, I just, yeah, I think that's really important too. And I think the length is, can be something that can turn people off because they're just like, they get so distracted. I mean, we're in a society where phones are going off, you know, all the time we're distracted as a society in general. So making sure that it's, you know, concise and clear is really important. Um, and you know, obviously don't leave out any key details, but don't overdo it right, either. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you can pepper it throughout the pitch. You know, you can drop little crumbs of information at different points, but just that big chunky bio at the top is something that I feel like is really distracting for someone to read. I agree. And then I like the tip about kind of like, if you feel like you want to include more link to your website or even a one cheater, because then, you know, if someone is actually really interested, then they'll click over to your website or look at your one sheet and then yeah. go from there versus like, you know, overwhelming them um, without asking basically. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So let's kind of talk about subject lines. Do you have any tips just on how to get our pitch emails open? Like what should we put there? I feel like that's like where a lot of people struggle. Like they have their the inside of their email formatted, but they just don't know exactly how to get people to actually open their initial email from the get-go. Yeah. So we don't do anything fancy because I don't want the email to come off as overly promotional. I feel like the subject line sort of sets the tone for what this interaction or relationship is going to eventually evolve into. And so we're just really clear in our subject line. We actually put in brackets, podcast guest, so they know what they're getting into. (laughs) And then I put the name of our client and a brief summary of their topic. So we often will format our topics that we're pitching into a title So the hosts can really imagine what that conversation might look like and how it would fit into their flow of other podcasts. And so it would be basically bracketed podcast guest, Angie Trueblood on how to pitch a podcast or something like that. We just do it very clear. And then the really important piece is following up. So we do track our emails to see which ones have been opened just so that I know. And then two weeks after we send the initial pitch, we follow back up. And that's normally when we do get our responses. So I wouldn't sweat too much of coming up with this incredible subject line. Again, you don't want it to seem overly salesy or promotional anyway. Just know that you're going to likely have to follow back up to get some sort of response. Yeah. From my experience, I've seen the same thing. Like the art is really in the follow-up because- yeah you're like bringing it to the top of mind again. Like they might've read it and be like, oh yeah, that's great. I'll come back to it. And then their inbox gets overwhelming. I know I definitely have that issue a lot of the time. Like I see something like, oh yeah, this person would make a great guest. And like two weeks later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't didn't (laughs) respond. And they didn't follow up with me. I just, it came back to my mind and I'm like, okay, let me go 
get back to this person. But the follow-up is so important. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people forget that. And that's why they're not booking as many podcasts as they could be because they're just not taking that time to go and follow up and literally just say, Hey, just wanted to circle back on my email. Let me know what you think. Like, it doesn't need to be anything crazy, but just bring it to top of mind again. Well, and I think that plays into how well they have actually committed to including podcast guesting as a part of their visibility plan. So there is prep work that needs to be done before you start pitching. And part of that is establishing what is your workflow going to be and having triggers that remind you to follow up. I feel like there's definitely times when folks will get this great idea that I want to be featured on podcasts. They will pitch a ton in a really short period of time. And then they kind of fall off and never revisit and never follow up. So part of that, I think, is because they don't have a system well fleshed out in the beginning that's going to trigger them to do that follow up. Right. I agree with that. And whenever I pitch my clients too, like I said, I have a couple of clients that I do this for, um, although it's not my main thing. I definitely put like notes, like follow up on this date and I'll check my document to go make sure to follow up with these people on this date. Um, And yeah, it's really important to just can continue at it and don't just like sporadically send pitches and then like forget about it because that's not going to get you booked on as many shows as you, you know, you could potentially be. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, so how specific do you feel like we should be in our pitches? Do you have any tips here for, you know, I mean, obviously sometimes it can be kind of overwhelming if someone's just throwing like, Oh, here's these five different topic ideas I can talk about. So should we like really hone in on one of our ideas or kind of give the person Um, a few to go off of. We always pitch one specific topic and I feel really adamant about this because I feel like that shows that you've done enough of the legwork to know or to have at least an idea of what would be a good fit for that audience and that host. I feel like when people pitch five general topics, it's basically putting all the work on the podcast host. And that's just not really a way to start that relationship off of like, Hey, I would love to come on your show. Can you figure out what we could talk about? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think some people will often do that out of fear of like, well, what if I pitch this one topic and they don't really like it? And then I'm a no. And that's okay what we will do is pitch a specific topic and then we create bullet points that Mm -hmm. could be suggested talking points. And that will give that host an idea of, okay, well maybe I could tweak the topic a little bit around one of these bullet points. Maybe I don't want the original full topic, but this subtopic is a great idea. So that's the route that we take. And I just, it's just what you need to do. You know, I even, I had an interview this morning. It was a pre-call interview for a show that they invited me to be on. Mm-hmm. And she said, someone pitched her. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I can talk about anything you want. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not really a pitch, you know, <laughs> saying that you could just talk about anything that doesn't do much for the host. It doesn't also really position you as an expert in your space either. Right. I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, obviously with my show now it's a little different. So people aren't really pitching me because I'm basically reaching out to them saying, Oh, I see you have a podcast. Let's chat about it. Versus yeah. them coming to me like, Hey, I want to talk about my podcast. Um, but with my other show, we do get a lot of people that are like, 
they're not specific where they give us like 17 ideas and I'm like, no, because none of these are relevant to like, they're none of these connect. So I'm like, how right. are you going to talk about Instagram or email marketing? Like those are two completely different things. So I think it's really important to be specific and hone in on that one topic. And then, like you said, like if there's kind of subtopics, maybe bullet those, but don't make that the focus of your email. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So now let's kind of talk a little about, about your podcast specifically. So you said you started back in 2019. Um, what made you start your show? My business coach. (laughs) (laughs) So back in March, I had, it kind of came to me for a while. I had wanted to start a podcast. I just didn't know if it would be more of a personal one or if it would be more tied to my business. And it came to me back in March that I wanted it to be go pitch yourself. Mm -hmm. And I had great ideas of, I would interview folks that had podcasts to really get a sense of what they like to hear in pitches. I would interview people that could support folks once they actually have visibility opportunities. And then I really just got overwhelmed with the idea of doing all of it myself. Right. So... Over the summer, I ended up joining an accelerator mastermind program for one year um, mm-hmm. with a woman named Rachel Cook, who is amazing. Oh, yes. I and know. Oh, you do? Yeah, I know of her. I, I've never okay. heard of herself, but I've definitely heard of her. Yeah, she's incredible. And so we had like a VIP strategy day in the very beginning of this accelerator program. And the truth is, I wasn't really market. I mean, I didn't have a ton of content. I wasn't creating content. My business was totally referral based. I knew that I wanted to start a program at some point, but I didn't really have any outreach. I wasn't really putting myself out there and sharing what I wanted to with the world and kind of my take on it. And so she was able to help me by saying, Hey, and you can just publish every other week. Like that's still a very doable schedule. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of researched and was able to find an editor because I just realized I couldn't with our client work, I couldn't add on all the components of a podcast and do it right. Right. And I'm one of those people that if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. (laughs) (laughs) So she basically helped me set a deadline and I hit it and it felt so good and I love it. And it's really kind of, I feel like it's been a really, a real driving force in my business over these last few months. Yeah. I think, I think having a podcast is a great way to, you know, obviously you, you said your business was completely referral based, but even now, like if people stumble upon your podcast and they like your tips and stuff, then they are more inclined to hire you because they know that you know your stuff. It's not just like seeing your website, you know, they actually have that, like, it gives you that clout as a, you know, a expert in this niche. So it gives them more reason to want to hire you and not just relying on like referrals. You know, you could potentially get more cold leads from this because, you know, you've been nurturing them just by talking to them um, via the mic. Well, and the cool part is I was pitching myself for podcast interviews and just driving people back to my website. Whereas now I can drive them back to my podcast and then they listen for a little bit really get a sense of who I am. And then they come to me either for the program or for one of the one-on-one services. So it's such a great, you know, the landscape of online business changes all the time. And people in my experience are not ingesting blog content the way that they used to. Right. And so 
Yeah. And so the podcast is a way for them to really get to know me and my take on business. And it just warms them up more quickly. And it allows me to touch them in a different way than if they're just following me on Instagram, for instance. Right. I agree a hundred percent. And that's kind of why I started mine too. Cause I was like, all right, I need, I need to get in front of people. And I think this is going to be a good medium for me. And then plus podcasting is yeah. becoming more and more popular versus like blogs. I mean, and then I got tired of writing blogs, honestly, yeah. to be honest. like it was just one of those things. I'm like, I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. I mean, I do show notes obviously, cause I think that's important, but oh, yeah. you know, like full on blog posts are just not my jam anymore. Oh. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So giving them a medium that they actually enjoy is super important. Yeah, for sure. So I know you already talked about how you kind of do like a mix of solo and interview style. And I think that's really cool. And I think interviews are just really eye-opening because even though you're not like going as the expert in the interview, you can still insert little nuggets here and there that position you as an expert. And, you know, interviews are just, to me, I think at least they're easier to do than solos. So for me, I feel like the interview piece was the hardest part. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because I'm a connector and I talk to people all the time. I think it's probably a bit of that. I want to do it the right way. I feel like I prepare. I mean, I definitely draft out notes for solo episodes, but I feel I want to bring the best out in my guests. And so I really spend time kind of crafting like, okay, what piece of their expertise is my audience going to really crave and benefit from the most? And so it definitely took just some practice and um, yeah, just to get comfortable, not with the interview process, but just feeling like I was still creating really great content for my audience. And that's where I feel like I put the pressure on myself to pull that out of someone else. So and that, weird. Makes, that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, you just want your audience to be happy with what you're giving them, whether it's from you directly or from your guests. So that makes total sense. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess the reason I find them easier is just because I'm not really, I'm coming up with questions of course, but it's not like I have to do like this deep thing yeah. to get like a solo episode and written and all that stuff. So yeah. I, I love that take though. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's always good to provide your, your uh, audience with obviously great content from both oh, yeah. yourself and the guests. So, yeah. so what do you feel like is working best in your podcast right now? This can be anything from your, the guests that you have on your process, all that good stuff. Like what is just one thing that stands out that you just feel like doesn't really need any tweaks because it's just working so well. I mean, I feel like the type of guests that I'm bringing on are really valuable for my listeners. And, and I appreciate that. And I feel like the niche of the podcast, I feel like there's real clarity around what people can expect when they listen. So I feel like most every episode then is very relevant to my listeners. And when new people find me, I think that clarity of what this show is about and the types of shows and content that they can expect is a real, uh, it's attractive to folks who find me and listen because they I think it really helps grow my listenership and retain my listenership because it's not, you know, a different type of guest every week and, oh, well, this guest isn't really relevant to where I am in business. So I'm not going to listen this week. I try really hard to, like, I know my people and I try to produce content that 
well, every other week after every other week, not week after week, (laughs) but that it's really relevant to them. So I just think that clarity is pretty solid right now. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I feel like a lot of niche shows have that in common just because it's a similar topic week after week after week. And like people might think, oh, you know, that could get boring. But when you're meeting those people where they need you the most, it's going to be so beneficial because they'll be loyal people and they'll tune into every single episode. Whereas if you have like a general business focused podcast, one week they may be super engaged because they really are excited about that topic. And the next week, or even like for multiple weeks, they may not even care because it's not relevant to where they're at at this moment. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, like if if it's a general business podcast and one week they're talking about Twitter, which I'm not on, then the following week it might be something I'm interested in. At some point, you almost just get out of the habit of checking. Right, yeah, because sometimes it's relevant and sometimes it's not. Yeah. So with like podcasts like yours and even mine where we're talking about one specific topic, even though there's- variety of different things about pitching that can be talked about and a variety of different things about podcasting that can be talked about. Um, it's different content every week, but it's in the same vein. So people yeah. are like hopping back and forth between episodes and, you know, kind of losing, losing them along the way. Yes. Well, and your content is just like that too, just to reiterate it. It's so nice to see just the, the continuity of it. And I think when I first started, I put pressure on myself of, oh, well, maybe I'll do themes or maybe, you know, I I really like that idea. But I think because the podcast itself is pretty well themed, right? I kind of took the pressure off of myself of, okay, well, if this person's able to record with me before this other person, then it's still congruent to have them be next up in line. You know, I don't have to switch a ton of stuff around because the podcast itself is very clear on the type of topic we have. Exactly. I feel the same way. Yeah. Like with more niche shows, you don't really need to do themes because it's all going to be pretty similar and in the same type of arena each time. So it's not like you're jumping from one thing to the next. So I think it's, it's easier. I was a little hesitant at first because I'm like, is it going to be boring? Cause it's like right. the same thing over and over. But like, even when I ask guests the same questions every single time, I mean, I'll add a couple of new ones here and there, but it, everyone has different answers and different intake, like input on what running their podcast has been like and what their like best and worst things have been. So yeah, um, it hasn't gotten boring, which I was really shocked about. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. So now let's go to the other side of things. So what is like a failure or something you wish you could have done better with your podcast, if any, and then what did you learn from that? Well, so one thing that I'm looking to get a little more, uh, like ease of, hold on. (laughs) So one thing that I'm trying to kind of get better at doing is I feel like the flow when I go to record, I don't necessarily feel like I have the best process of, okay, well, record the episode and then go back and record the hook and making, I feel like every time I'm almost recreating the wheel, if if that makes sense of kind of the flow of what individual shows and individual episodes sound like. And so I have, and I know this isn't rocket science, but I did just create a template of my flow so that as I record, because again, I do notes ahead of time and I draft out my talking points. And so having that and having it include the minutia of, okay, well, this is the time when I do some sort of level of engagement with my audience, whether it's reading a review or a shout out that someone, you know, 
told me on Instagram or a question that someone asked in my group, I feel like I have a, a better flow of how to record the episodes a little bit more quickly and feeling just that there's some sort of continuity in the episodes, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And I feel like that's something I struggled with at first, um, especially when my show was Savvy Social or instead of what it is now. Um, Cause you know, I would be like, oh, I should probably like talk about this. And then I would get through the whole episode and realize I didn't say anything. And <laughs> yeah. Feel, it felt weird to do it at the end. So then I didn't do it at all. <laughs> um, and then I just, yeah, it's just, it's hard to get in that flow of things because it doesn't feel natural at first or like, yeah. you know, reading a review or something, you kind of forget about it because you're like, oh, you know, unless you go look at your reviews, then you're yeah. not top of mind. So I totally get that. And I've definitely, it's been something I struggled with too, just trying to figure out, okay, where can I place like, you know, this solo ad segment about one of my products or something like, where is this going to sound not strange? Um, and right. And not, exactly. yeah. And not overwhelming the audience with, oh, you can sign up for my email list or you can join <laughs> this program or you can work with me one-on-one. So yeah. I think it's just fleshing that out and knowing that this is not the only avenue with which I connect with people. And so I do not need to vomit all of those things every episode. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. I think I, like less can be more in this instance. Yeah. Like, of course you need to be promoting yourself because that's important, but don't like word vomit all into yeah. an episode because that's just not fun for people. And then, then they're not clear on what action you actually want them to take. They're like, oh, right. do I go DM her on Instagram or do I join this free webinar? Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Um, so where do you find like you're getting your listeners from? So obviously like, you know, our host tells us, Oh, they're coming from iTunes or they're coming from Spotify, but where do you find like those people are getting to you pre like listenership? So is it coming, are they coming from social media, from referrals, from your email list? Like, where do you feel like these people are finding you from the get go? Yeah, it's really from friends, clients, business acquaintances sharing the show. So when I launched, I assembled you know, a pretty solid team of folks who committed to sharing the first couple of episodes on social. Some put it on their email list. So I, I mean, I have a pretty great network of incredible women that support me and they've all been great about sharing it. So the guests that I've had on up until now are all people that I've, I mean, actually, I think I've met all of them in real life, but I consider them friends. And so they're totally willing to share the episodes when they go live. Like there's a great sort of, you know, ability and um, willingness for them to share me and the show with their community. So it's that. And then really me being on other shows and driving people back to my own podcast has been a great, you know, driver of listenership. Yes, I totally agree with the being guest on other people's shows. That's definitely um, something that I found works really well for me and my clients. I mean, you know, you're able to reach a new audience and those download days end up being a lot higher than mm -hmm. the days when you're just, you know, releasing your own episodes typically. And I love that you kind of got like a launch team behind you for your show because that's such a good idea. I, I mean, I launched my show in January of 2018 the first time yeah. and I didn't even think about that. Like I didn't even know like that you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I guess I could have done that. But, you know, that was two years ago. Um, so it's just, it's a really good idea because when you have people promoting you from, you know, the get-go, then you're getting more listenership right off the bat instead of having to like do such a slow build from like yeah. 
one to, you know, where you're at now. So I think that's such a good idea. And if you guys are about to launch your show, definitely do that because I think it's really important to have these people surrounding you and like most of your good business friends will want to share anyway. It's not if you're forcing them or anything or making them feel awkward about having to do this thing. Like most people that like you and support you will want to share with their audience anyway. Well, and the cool part is identifying the folks who are in your network who have audiences that would appreciate the content that you're putting out. So, I mean, the real secret sauce is having a business buddy who serves a very similar audience to you, but in a different way. And then of course it totally makes sense for them to share your podcast. And then those people more likely will become long-term listeners rather than just, you know, kind of a one and done type of listener. Totally. A hundred percent. I agree with that, but yeah, that's such a great idea. So I, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. You definitely want to do an episode about that in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. So when those people become listeners and you know you're they're listening to a ton of episodes and stuff, how do you work to convert them into clients and customers? Because obviously your podcast is showing them that you are an expert in what you're talking about. But how do you like make them kind of realize, oh, I need to work with her? It's pretty interesting because I have the two components of the business. I have the one-to-one client work and now I have the group program. So I definitely share on the podcast different ways for them to work with me and I will tie it really to the topic of the episode. And I also do really look at my own launch calendar throughout the year of, okay, this period of time, it's going to be really important for me to bulk up my one-to-one clients so that that sort of four month package is going to carry me through, you know, to this next season or a, I'm going to be enrolling my program, you know, this month. And so leading up to that, I'm going to want to make sure that I drive people to my email list. So definitely being clear on what is my driving force for what I'm asking them to do has been really helpful. But then I've also really found this, and I'm sure you've heard about it, but how online business is really transitioning to more of an ecosystem. It's not just that you sell everything through your email list or you sell everything through social media. So for me, it's making sure that I'm identifying the platforms that my clients, potential clients, potential students are on and making sure that I am providing an appropriate surround sound. So I have a free Facebook group and I have an email list and I'm on Instagram. And that might sound like I'm all the places, but I'm able to create a really reasonable schedule of when I show up to those places, but it just helps provide a bigger voice to what I'm offering. And it's funny with my launch in January, I looked back at everyone that enrolled and they were all on my email list. And actually I think they were all in my free Facebook group. And so just making sure that I know where people are coming from and doubling down on that has been really helpful too in making sure that I'm giving people the opportunity to work with me in those different places. I agree with that. And I think it's important to keep track of, and it's important to meet people where they're at. Like you don't yeah. want to force someone to do this one thing. Um, and that's not their natural rhythm of what they want to do or what they're, what they like. So, you know, if like a lot of your audience is on Instagram, then hang out there. You know, if a lot yeah. of your audience is, you know, gravitating towards email, then, you know, bulk up your stuff there. It's just important to kind of meet them where they're at instead of, um, you know, just kind of 
obviously if you hate a platform, don't like go on that platform right. just because your audience is there. But like if it's a platform that you can manage and you enjoy it, um, then why not like bulk up your promotions or, you know, just being visible there? Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing to figure out is how to diversify your content on those different platforms. And so that's where currently I'm evaluating, well, what can I do to my email community to really serve them in a different way? So I think it's important too, as you're on different platforms, people show up for different reasons and I really want to be able to serve them differently on those different stages. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And it's, it's a hard balance. Cause you like, don't want to, you don't want to <laughs> put like way too much extra work on your plate, but you also don't want to have like the same message going across all three. Cause if they are on all three of those platforms, Instagram, your Facebook group and email, it can be a lot to see the same thing over and over again. So it's like kind of a balance trying to figure out, um, what can I say here and here <laughs> and here that doesn't make me have tons of extra work, but I'm also able to further connect with these people and not just yeah. say the same thing three times. Exactly. Cool. So, um, how do you kind of keep those people around for more? So like they came, they listened to a couple episodes, how do you keep them from kind of deciding to not listen anymore? I mean, for me, it's just, and I know it's kind of the lame answer, but making sure that I'm putting out solid content that I'm getting feedback from folks that are in my communities, you know, that they, folks that follow me on Instagram or on email and in my Facebook group, trying to find out, well, what are the questions that they have? So there's definitely times where I will ask my audience, Hey, what questions do you have about this? Or what, do you have a one sheet for your podcast pitches? And so I just try to generate some ideas from my already developed audience so that the content that I tend to create is still relevant to them. So it's that. And then, you know, the engagement piece at the beginning of the episodes, I think it's just a, a holistic approach to making sure I'm putting out content that's relevant to them and where they are. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it doesn't need to be anything crazy. You don't need to be giving away um, you know, and promising people the earth and the moon and the sun. <laughs> I right. mean, as long as you're giving your listeners what they want by looking um, at your analytics and kind of seeing what episodes have been the most frequented and things like that and kind of doing more content like that. And I think that keeps people around because you're catering to them, whether you are, you know, taking tons of extra time or not. But I just think kind of keeping tabs on what your people are consuming and what they like um, and then kind of going from there. Yeah, absolutely. So what's one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone who's looking to start a podcast, but they just don't know where to even start? I mean, I would say just start, but if you have no idea where, <laughs> um, I mean, I think it would really just be to kind of bullet out the ideas that you have for different topics. Because for me, what was really motivating was sort of seeing this potential podcast come to life in terms of episodes. So seeing that, oh, I do have a lot of ideas that could span the course of months very easily was more of a confidence booster that, yeah, I actually have something to say long-term. And so it gave me the motivation to dig in and fill in the pieces of knowledge gaps that I had and to, to reach out and get help in the areas where I knew I didn't want to put the time in to learn it. And that makes so much sense. And it's just such an easy thing that we can all do, but so many people 
don't. <laughs> and then they realize, oh yeah, I probably should have done this. So that's, that's a really good tip. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of just starting to like, obviously it's easier said than done for some people. Cause some people do get stuck in that, you know, analysis paralysis where they're just like, oh, this expert over here told me to do this. And this one, right. like, what do I do now? And like, I'm not a type of person that gets stuck in that. I usually yeah. just listen to one person and then go from there. And then that's that. But so many people try to look at every single option and that's, you know, that's not going to be a good solution yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So lastly, what is your current favorite podcast? Um, you know, just one that you've always listened to or a new favorite or anything like that. I just have, feel like I have to ask that as a podcaster and a podcast about podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, I actually shared this on my Instagram story today. I like to share the different podcasts that I find. So I just discovered one called break the ceiling and I'm going to forget her name. I think it's, it's either Sarah or Susan. Um, but the show it's called break the ceiling and it's for service providers. And it's really talking about ways to look at your business just a little bit differently so that you don't necessarily plateau and so that you can kind of scale without losing your mind. Um, And it's just, it's just a really cool approach and it's gotten me to think about my business differently. And I love shows that just get me thinking of, oh, am I really being as innovative as I can be? How can I look at this part of my business differently? And it's not that she's sharing all the solutions. It's just conversations about things that I had never thought about considering. Like the last two episodes were on client meetings and the value of them and how you could potentially do them differently. And I love that. Just that it's just challenging me to look at my business in a different way. And I think sometimes we become so stagnant, you know, we're so in our business that we don't look to innovate because we can't pull ourselves out of it. And it's really helped me do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go check it out. That sounds really interesting because thinking about it, like who would think to do an episode about client meetings, but like at the same time, it's like, there are so many ways you can shake different things up that you wouldn't never guess. Yes. Like, you know, just making your client meeting a little more exciting or even like a team meeting or something. There's just so many things that we could be innovating and doing better that, you know, we don't really think about until someone else is like, Hey, like you could actually do this. And you're like, Oh yeah, I can. Can't I? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, lastly, just tell us where we can find you. So your website, your podcast again, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my podcast is go pitch yourself. So folks can definitely hop over there and get a better sense of who I am. I have, if any of your listeners are looking to kind of put themselves out there and start pitching themselves for podcast interviews, I have a roadmap that they are welcome to get access to. And it goes over the six steps for successful podcast pitching, really just looking at making sure you're covering both the strategy and the workflow, as well as the mistakes that I see. So <laughs> that they can find at angietrueblood.com slash savvy. So they can definitely check that out and get access to it. And then my website is angietrueblood.com. And over there, they can have they'll see the podcast for sure. And then they could get access to my services and schedule a call if that's something that they're looking to get support in. Awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely link everything in the show notes, especially that um, freebie that you're offering. That is great. Everyone can use a little refresher with that or even just help in general. So yeah. um, Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Jenny. This has been great. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvypodcastingforentrepreneurs.com slash episode dash 142. If you've yet to join the Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs Facebook group, make sure to go do that. Um, You'll get access to daily prompts, updates about the podcast, and just a wonderful community of other entrepreneurs who are in the same boat as you with their podcasts. They're either looking to start or grow their podcast and you can connect with them there. So if that sounds interesting to you, then I will see you in the group and see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave a review. You can find us at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com and on Facebook and Instagram at SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs. Make sure to join our free Facebook community for podcasters by going to SavvyPodcastingForEntrepreneurs.com slash community. See you in the next episode.